listening to a podcast from Light FM. Unlocking the secret to better parenting. This is Growing Pains on the Light Breakfast. This time on Growing Pains, Terry caught up with Light's resident child psychologist, Katyana Azman, and today it's all about talking to kids. For this episode, it is an issue that is hotly debated by many people, it would seem, at least the people I've been coming in contact with, whether or not we should speak to babies in that childish manner, that baby talk, or mm. is that like not the way to go? Is it better to speak with a normal adult way, like speaking to the mm. child, uh, the baby? Like how like, we talk to each other now. Exactly. Yeah. What are the main differences that can be found later on in the child's speech development? Is there a difference to be found or not? I am sort of harnessing on the conversations I've had with my colleagues who are speech therapists Mm. and essentially the advice is to try to expose children to typical patterns of speech as much as humanly possible where i think baby language has come up is because of course we have over the hundreds of years or millennia have figured out that children at sort of the earliest ages are not going to be able to articulate to the level that we can and so it is often easier to kind of scale down our speech Mm -hmm. to match that baby language because it's something that they could potentially mimic a lot easier and it's something that catches their attention a lot easier because we often have different inflections we tend to kind of focus on certain phonetical sounds or phonics And so that might make it a lot more engaging for a child, right? right? So I would say that, you know, there are I'm a big fan of someone doing something that's something in the middle. <laughs> speak to your child. I would really encourage parents to speak to your child as quote unquote normally as you would to another adult. But of course, being very mindful of the vocabulary that you're using because mm. using bigger words, which the child might never use, <laughs> might be, you know, sort of counterproductive. Yep. Scaling down your language, simplifying it for the child's age but also just focusing on maybe certain words that mm-hmm. the child might want to acquire first right. and have that be a little bit more sing-songy or a little bit more baby-like right. just so they can kind of pick up on it, right? That's so, exactly it, right, Katiana? When you say sing-songy and, and mm. baby-like because what I find myself doing when I'm speaking a baby is mm. always trying to find that, stri- that balance of speaking to the child with proper grammar, with proper sentence construction. But also when you speak to a baby that way, you don't get the reaction from the baby that you want, which is (laughs) for the baby to laugh or the baby to go, oh, you know? But when you you team that with a little bit more of inflection, with a little bit more, you over-express yourself when you're talking. The baby seems to enjoy it more because there's animation to you and then you get the laugh that you want. So it's always finding that balance of speaking to the baby like he or she is an adult, but also getting the what we need as the adult speaking to the baby which is to get that cute reaction that we want yes so I think you know I think it's completely understandable that people do it I do it with my daughter I can't help it sometimes yeah. but I think that's I try to speak to her with sort of just uh, I hate calling it adult language but I, I speak to her as around her yeah. as normally as possible mm-hmm. and if you have a multilingual household like mine make sure you just speak in all the languages that you can expose that you want to expose your child to this becomes something we might have to edit if your child's presenting with delays later on but Mm. in the initial stages without any concerns you know exposing your child to multiple languages if that's what you'd like is completely fine yeah but I think that it's important to just expose them to normal communication as much as you can and then and then if you need to kind of increase the pitch of your voice so kind of make things (laughs) more sing-songy you know I think that's completely understandable so it's, it's completely fine 
One of the methods when it comes to speaking to kids that's been brought up is the sportscaster approach where we narrate and describe what the child is doing. What makes this strategy effective? What is your opinion of this strategy? I'm actually a really big fan of this. Mm-hmm. So this is actually something that we are also now encouraging with parents when kids are exposed to screen time. So mm. we know that there are guidelines out there that say you know kids are not supposed to be accessed to screen time before the ages of two or yeah. at least very, very minimal. And then after the age of two, they get what we call supervised screen time. And that is where the sportscaster approach is encouraged. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with screen time is that it is a very one directional or mm. single direction thing where the screen is talking at the child. It's not really teaching the child to have back and forth conversations, or at least mm-hmm. it doesn't a lot of the time. And that's why we are starting to see decrease in sort of speech development for kids who have too much screen time. So doing this sportscaster thing, narrating things, makes it interesting. Active. Mm. It makes the process a two-way thing because you are engaging with the child. But outside of the screen world, it is still a really good thing because you are exposing your children to an increased vocabulary. You are teaching them how to be descriptive, which is something that they will have to acquire as they get older, right? right. So being able to tell a story about what they did at school and what their day has been like right. are all things that we would like our children to be able to do when they kind of hit about three or so. Right. So that's kind of why I think the sportscaster approach is actually quite helpful because you're you're exposing kids to again all of this vocab which they might not necessarily be exposed to when they're not kind of having things described to them and it makes so much sense because it's also relevant I'm thinking when you're mm. talking to a child about what they're doing in that moment there's a lot more to interpret and understand and comprehend for the child because it's also relevant to what that baby or child is actually going through in that point in time and yeah. it does worry me sometimes that you mentioned when they're exposed to screen time a lot you see this even happen I'm sure like the screen is on it's in front of the the, the baby or the child and mm. then the baby starts to babble at the screen but yes. there's not obviously the, no feedback. there's no feedback that that mm. babbling it's almost like the, the child or baby is looking for some yeah. form of communication or return yeah. communication and it's not getting it from that screen Yeah. so one of the things that's actually like it's called echolalia so it's one of oh. the things or echolalia depending on how you pronounce it and so some people especially if you have a child who might have a speech delay or who might be on the autism spectrum Mm -hmm. you will hear this echolalia or echolalia which is basically just them parroting what they've heard and they will often follow the same tone and the same pitch and whatever it is that they're hearing but because they're not necessarily being used in a functional context Mm -hmm. the child will then repeat them out of context in a lot of different places Mm -hmm. right so just last week I did a school observation with a child and the child was just by themselves walking around the room going horsey go horsey go horsey go and that's probably something that he saw on a screen somewhere but obviously it had no function in that particular environment right Mm. and so of course it's probably not proven and my speech therapy colleagues will probably shoot me for saying this on (laughs) air but I wonder if that's part of it right it's because there is no interaction or reciprocity reciprocal um, you know element there and so they're kind of just repeating everything that they see kind of like if you hear a song and you're kind of just singing a song in your head right so so yes I think that this (laughs) I've never heard it called the sportscaster approach but I I do I do like the reasons behind it when we're trying to find the right inverted commas the right way to speak Mm. to a child we know that we want to be positive with anything that they do with achievements but is there a point where over praising becomes Mm. an issue is that something we should be wary about over praising is there even such a thing 
I think that when it comes to praises, so there is one thing that has been a big issue lately where they talk about how people are praising more on result rather than effort. Mm. Right, that has issues because then you you raise children to believe that they can only be reinforced if they have a good result. So if they win oh. a medal or they get a good grade, because a lot of people will sort of like say, "Oh, you know, like good job or good work or stuff like that." And so that I mean, I do that as well. Like it's just unconscious that we do that where we celebrate achievements, and they say that that is something we're trying to stay stray a little bit away from, and mm-hmm. kind of also say like you know well done on being patient or things like that where we're kind of looking at effort so that children or you tried really hard on that painting well done you know so you're kind of like focusing on the fact that you are also able to get praises for things that are not outcome driven right Right. so I think that that's something that's being done now but when it comes to over praising I, I wouldn't say that there's such a thing but I would be very careful to make sure that you're not programming your child Mm -hmm. to need praises at every juncture in order to function, Mm. in order to do something. So there are some kids who are very much fixated or driven by the validation and praise that they get from the people around them. And so when they don't get them, it makes them think that they're not doing well enough. It makes them feel quite uncomfortable. Some kids just don't feel like they should try if they don't get rewarded in that way. So that's the part where it can become quite hazardous because of course, as kids age, you're not going to have high school teachers praise them as often you're not going to have bosses definitely praise you as often so if you are an individual who struggles with that that's going to make functioning in the outside world really tricky Mm -hmm. so I would say you know I praise my daughter for not smacking me in the face at this point in time like feel free (laughs) to praise your toddlers it's completely fine (laughs) but as your kids get older Mm. right you might want to praise them but not praise them over things like getting up and brushing their teeth right right right. them for different types of things and less and less um frequently but i think that i don't think it's a hundred percent possible to over praise but just be very mindful over what message you're communicating when it comes to speaking and talking to kids i'm always very mindful of what i shouldn't say like Mm -hmm. the wrong approach so what are some of the things that we can avoid or should avoid when it comes to speaking to children well i think definitely just the golden rules when it comes to language Mm. right don't expose your child to sort of like negative words or negative language patterns especially when they're very young because it's going to be stuff that they mimic and with little kids the more you use words that cause a reaction right so i have friends whose kids would cuss at them because they've heard mom and dad use it and I think every parent goes oh my gosh you know and they kind of like that's a reaction the kid's gonna keep doing it Mm, right so mm. I think that it's that kid's rely on your reaction to determine whether it's something that they should or should not be doing so even if it's a bad thing and you have a big reaction they're like oh my gosh that was funny right (laughs) I would say stay away from sort of just you know swearing and cuss words and things but I think also just the type of language that you're using right Mm, so mm. a lot of parents don't think that it's a big deal to call their kids fat or to you know make fun of their kids they Mm -hmm. think it's funny Mm. but I think that you also have to remember that you have such a pivotal role in helping these little humans develop their own concept of self and their Mm. own body image especially. So I get very, very internally triggered um, (laughs) whenever sort of like, you know, older, distant family members will comment on my child's appearance. All the time, Um, all the time. My kids 
a year old in a few days time and it's crazy how like people still comment on how she looks and Mm. these are not things that I feel that she can control like for example how tall she is or the color of her hair or whatever Mm. and Mm. so I would try really hard to not use so many superficial descriptors when it comes to your kids or at least to kind of fixate on those things of course don't be derogatory with your kids don't call them names don't tell them that they're stupid or they're short or they're lazy and things like that and it just breaks my heart that I have to actually repeat this because I hear Mm, it just mm. used so much with parents where they just don't think about the words that they're using with their kids and whenever I point it out they always go oh but they know I'm not being serious how do they know though Mm. they're learning they're in the process of learning it but you don't make any effort to go back and tell them that you were joking so Mm. how are Mm. they supposed to know that you're joking but it's just yeah so I think just speak to your child the way that you would like to be spoken to I think it's a good principle if you think if you don't like people calling you names or commenting on how you look then don't do that to your child just because they're younger yeah it comes down to we we know what it means for the most part most of us know what it means to be a good person the idea of that so be that good person to our children and every child and use the same language that you would accept and that's the thing I find really funny is Mm. that adults were so good at saying like oh it would really upset me if someone said that to me but they don't think about how it would make their child feel they think that somehow the child is younger you know they'll Mm. they'll forget it it's not that big a deal or because I'm the parent I'm allowed to speak to them like that there are all of these justifications which I think are really unhealthy Mm. and so as a result you know you have kids who get told certain things or get you know get exposed to certain things which are not healthy for them psychologically and emotionally but also you're teaching them on how to communicate with you in Mm. the future I I just tell people just speak to your child the way that you want to be spoken to not the way that you have been spoken to right right but the way that you want to be spoken to so if you do not like these things do not expose your child to that and you can listen to all our Growing Pain sessions again on the Light Breakfast Podcast. That's on the Shock app, spelled S-Y-O-K. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.